the worst foreign policy disaster since Vietnam. And it's just beginning. Why do I say it's just beginning, Jesse? How could you say that? I'm going to lay it all out tonight on I'm Right. So you don't think this could have been handled, this actually could have been handled better in any way? No mistakes? No, I, I, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that there, we, we're going to go back in hindsight and look, but the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happened. So for you, that was always priced into the decision? Yes. He's lying. Uh, let, let's let's be clear about what's going on politically right now before we go into the rest of this disastrous interview for Joe Biden. Let's let's discuss the political situation on the ground. And I know what you might be saying, Jesse, it's it's not political. It's a human rights disaster, and and all this. You should be right. You should be right. It's not political. It's extremely political. One, remember what I told you last night. I'm about to repeat it to you in case you forgot. The three things the people who run your culture all have in common now, the people who run your cultural institutions, they all share these three things, all right? And this definitely applies to Joe Biden, Secretary of Defense, Milley, all the people around Joe Biden. This applies to everybody who runs your country, all right? Three things. One, there's no love of country. Many of them hate the country, but there's no love of country. So you're going to have to filter everything you see through that lens. They're not sitting down right now. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, all the, Millie, all these guys, they're not sitting down right now and thinking to themselves, mm, what's best for America? Ooh, what? we have these civilians there. What's, uh, we look bad in front of the world. What's best for America? That thought has not even entered their minds. They don't think that way. That's how you think. That's how I think. That's not their worldview. So set that aside. There's no, there's no patriotism. They're not worried about America. They're worried about politics. They're worried about their political career. How can I weather this political storm? Do we have to sacrifice somebody? And I'll get to that in a moment. But that's what they're worried about. It's all politics, right? All politics. That's one. Two. Second thing. All these people have in common. All of them. They've never lived in the real world. Or if they have, it's been decades and decades and decades ago. They grew up upper middle class or rich. They then moved on to some fancy university, almost universally. It's Yale, Harvard, whatever. And universities are the ultimate bubble, right? There's no crime. The lawns are perfect. The buildings are pristine. It's, it's, right? it's not the real world. And then right from there into politics or into one of the government bureaucracies. They've never experienced the real world. And they think because they're only academics, they don't have any real world experience, they think we've moved on to a more civilized time. Because that's all they've ever known. That's two. That's two. You got them both, right? And third, and this one's also important too, they think they're above you. And not in the general snobbishness way, although that's, that's there too. They believe they are above you and should rule over you. Not, not just that they're better than you, they should actually be able to make your decisions for you because they're above you. You're a peasant, they're the kings, they are above you. They all share those three things, everybody. It explains everything you're seeing right now. The Biden administration is in the middle of a political disaster. This is not Republican, Democrat, this isn't left or right, none of this is. 
We are in the middle of the worst foreign policy disaster on the world stage since Vietnam. That's half century. It sucks. It's, it's really, really bad. It's really bad. That, that's not debatable. What I just said is not debatable. We pulled all of our people out of Afghanistan. Okay, that's fine. We left 10, 15,000 American citizens there and just left. And now the American citizens who are there, they can't get to the one place we still have secured, the airport. Oh, we're telling them get to the airport so we can get you out. But we're also telling them, I don't know how to get you there. I, I can't get you there. Uh, sorry, I, it's nothing I can do about it. Good luck. Well, the Taliban control all the routes to and from the airport, every single route. These people aren't getting past checkpoints. The stories I'm hearing behind the scenes are horrific, horrific. Some of them I won't even share verbally on the show about things that are happening to Afghanistan citizens. And I'm starting to hear whispers, I'm not going to confirm any of these yet, that we're having American citizens hurt now too. They can't get to the airport. We pulled all our troops out and left all of our citizens there. And we left all the equipment. So the Taliban have everything now. This is an international, international embarrassment. America has been the global superpower for your entire lifetime. It has. We took over that rule right about the end of World War I. That's when we really became top dog. And we've been top dog ever since. That's about 100 years. The world is looking right now. And they're asking, are they still top dog? I mean, this is not what the top dog does. This is what some fading power does. It's what they're looking at right now. And who's the man at the top? Well, it's not Joe Biden. It took two days to take control of the airport. We have control of the airport now. Still a lot of pandemonium outside the airport. Well, there is, but look, but no one's being killed right now. God forgive me for if I'm wrong about that, but no one's being killed right now. People are, we got a thousand somewhere, 1,200 out yesterday, a couple thousand a day, and it's increasing. We're going to get those people out. But we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. That was two days ago, Mr. President. And... Apparently, he doesn't have access to any sources. He's only the president of the United States. People are being shot. People are being tortured. People are being, you know, I'm not going to go into the details of it. People are dying right now. So we don't have a president. He's not a fully functional adult, and he's not at all worried about Afghanistan. Remember, he's worried about the political fallout from Afghanistan. He's not worried about Afghanistan. He's not worried about our civilians. He's not worried about our military personnel. Because, remember the three things they all share in common, because there's no love of country, he's not concerned about any of that. I mean, we have the video. I've played some for you on the show. People are being shot. People are dying. People are being tortured. This is what happens under Taliban rule. And maybe the most amazing thing I've ever heard the president say in my life was when George Stephanopoulos in that video said, well, we've all seen people clinging to a C-17 and plunging to their deaths. And Joe Biden gives him the, that was, that was four or five days ago. One, it was only two days ago. And two, what? Oh, that's old news. I thought we've moved on past that. That's the president of the United States. That sounds like a 13-year-old who got caught sneaking out at night. 
And of course, you know, the buck stops with him, stops with him, right? Except it doesn't. There was no good time to leave. But if there's no good time, if you know you're going to have to leave eventually, why not have the, everything in place to make sure Americans to get out, to make sure our Afghan allies get out, so we don't have these chaotic scenes in Kabul? Number one, as you know, the intelligence community did not say back in June or July that, in fact, this was going to collapse like it did. Number one. They thought the Taliban would take over, but not this quickly. But not this quickly, not even close. What we did was we took precautions. That's why I authorized that there be 6,000 American troops to flow in to accommodate this exit, number one. And number two, provided all that aircraft in the Gulf to get people out. We pre-positioned all that, anticipated that. The intelligence community, by the way, is pushing back on that heavily. It's funny, remember, they're all just worried about whose head is going to get lopped off politically in this whole thing. Well, and literally in, in Afghanistan, but that's another story entirely. So Biden, of course, because we don't have adults in charge anymore in our late state empire, or, or late stage empire. Biden, of course, is blaming the military. He's blaming the intelligence community. Nobody knew. Intelligence community is stepping up saying, uh, yeah, not only did we know, we told you about it. The military is stepping up and saying, uh, we told you about it. Everybody, everybody's doing the finger pointing thing right now. Why? Again, somebody's going down for this. Mr. Producer, write this down. Record this. I think it's going to be Milley. I think General Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, I think it's his head that gets lopped off for this. Rest assured about this, though. Someone's going down for this. You don't have the worst foreign policy disaster in half a century, international embarrassment, without somebody being scapegoated. And whoever gets scapegoated, I should note, might, may or may not be at fault. That doesn't matter. That won't matter. Because, again, we're not actually going for accountability. We're just trying to give the public a scalp. That's all. Uh, look, we had the Secretary of Defense. It could easily be him, too. Probably should be. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin he stepped up to the microphone and said, uh, we don't have the ability to go get the American civilians that are out there, which is weird because I'm already hearing on the ground countries like Britain, they already have their special forces guys, their SAS guys. They're already out outside of the airport, gathering up their civilians and bringing them back. Why aren't we? Have you asked yourself that question? Why aren't we? I've asked myself the question. I don't know that I'm right here, although I usually am. I suspect it's because they're still trying to cut a deal with the Taliban to just let the civilians through. Because remember my second point about how these people think? They don't reside in the real world. They don't understand the real world. They're purely academics. These are people who still think you can cut a deal with barbarians. You can't. You have to go get our civilians. You have to take them by force, and you might have to kill some people while you do it. That doesn't sound nice in the lecture halls of Yale, but this is the real world, and that's reality. And look, we don't even know how many civilians we still have there. As of today, how many Americans, uh, American citizens remain in, in Afghanistan? I don't know. Of the 2,000... Uh, over the last 24 hours, I, I think uh, nearly 300 of them were uh, Americans. I'm sorry that, that I would have swore I just heard him say we got 2,000 people out 
and only 300 Americans. Who were the other 1,700? Shouldn't the priority be Americans? I mean, this is America, after all. Shouldn't we be prioritizing American civilians? And look, that's not to dismiss what the people in Afghanistan are going through. Uh, Did you see the video? They're passing their babies over the wall. How desperate and scared do you have to be to be handing your baby off to total strangers? Just take my child. So believe me, say a prayer for the people of Afghanistan, and you're allowed to feel as much compassion as you want there. But priority one, two, three, four, and five right now should be the American civilians stuck behind enemy lines in barbarian territory, should it not? But look, listen, remember, remember my second point? I just brought it up again. The three things these people have in common. No patriotism, don't reside in the real world, and think they should rule over you. Back to point number two, don't reside in the real world. You want an example of that? Here's Joe Biden. In Afghanistan, do you believe the Taliban have changed? No. I think, let me put it this way. I think they're going through sort of an existential crisis about do they want to be recognized by the international community as being a legitimate government? I'm not sure they do. But look, they have... They care about their beliefs more. Well, they do. But they also care about whether they have food to eat, whether they have an income that can make any money and run an economy. They care about whether or not they can hold together the society that they, in fact, say they care so much about. I'm not counting on any of that. But that is part of what I think is going on right now in terms of I'm not sure I would have predicted, George, nor would you or anyone else, that when we decided to leave, that they provide safe passage for Americans to get out. Does that sound like a person who resides in the real world? Does that sound like a person whose advisors reside in the real world? They care about an economy? Look, they're going around right now. You know what the Taliban are doing right now? They're going around confiscating civilian firearms. If you don't see where this leads, then honestly, I think you probably need to turn off the TV and go do whatever you can do to increase your IQ points. There's only one reason the Taliban would be going around seizing civilian weapons. When I brought up at the beginning of the show that this is only the beginning of all this, you need to understand it's only the beginning of all this. This hasn't reached some crescendo and we're about to be past this. Just 24-hour news cycle. No, 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 no. Afghanistan is about to descend into a barbaric bloodbath. And we still have a civil war coming in Afghanistan. Northern Alliance is still together, well-armed, well-equipped. These two groups are going to go to war. And in civil wars, the atrocities are so, so bad. This is the beginning of the beginning. That's where we are right now. But, you know, the State Department, here's what they're worried about. On the political front, we saw a very strong statement on Monday from the UN Security Council, including China and Russia. They reiterated the need for an inclusive, just, durable, and realistic political settlement that protects human rights, including for women, children, and minorities. Inclusive? These are not people who reside in the real world. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Don't take it from me. We have a major general coming up next. He's going to describe for you what we're seeing, why we're seeing it. But first and foremost, 
I dipped for a long, long time. And once you dip for a long time, you inevitably get to the point where you say to yourself, okay, I, I need to quit. I need to quit. I know I need to quit. I got there several times. I'm sad to say I could never do it. I could never do it. I tried a million different things, the patch, gum, sunflower seeds, you name it. I, try, I tried smoking to quit dipping. Jake's mint chew is what works because it was the only thing that allowed me to keep dipping. Only there's no tobacco. There's no nicotine. There's no sugar. Also, they have a bunch of different flavors of long cut, but they have four different flavors of the CBD pouches, and those really take the edge off. Go to jakesmintchew.com right now. It's your solution. jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE, though. That'll get you 10% off. We'll be right back. Well, there are experts and there are experts. We talk a lot about military stuff on this show, understandably, but man, I think we're about to learn a few things. Joining me now, Major General Jeffrey Schlosser, I apologize, U.S. Army, former commanding general of the 101st Airborne Division. Perhaps you've heard of them, and he's also the author of the book Marathon War, Leadership in Combat in Afghanistan. General, one, thank you for joining us. Thank you for your service. Two, this is a disaster. I don't think it's a military disaster. I mean, I'm sure the military owns some of what happened in Afghanistan for 20 years. But right now, we have these civilians who are not out there getting them. Why? Well, Jesse, first, uh, let me uh, say thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah, so, I mean, just for everybody that's listening, watching, and stuff like that, you know, we have 10 to 15,000 Afghans, Americans. Uh, they're American citizens on the ground still in Afghanistan that we have got to be able to bring back to America. And uh, there's another, estimates are 50 to 65,000 uh, Afghans that helped us uh, in, Af you know, uh, in Afghanistan over 20 years, as well as their family members, and they're all there. So what you have right now is a really dire situation in which uh, we don't control anything other than the military side of Kabul airport. And uh, the Taliban, no friends to us, no friends to America, by the way, have established an outer cordon uh, around the airport itself. And they're only letting in certain people. And it's unclear right now whether there's going to be a process established or not. It's pretty tough for, I think, the military on the ground there and the few diplomats that are still remaining to uh, coordinate with this kind of, uh, of an organization. So it remains to be seen how we're actually going to do that. I mean, you know, Jesse, you know, this, you know, it's all about logistics when it comes to warfare at a, at a big level. And uh, trying to get that number out this late in the game uh, is going to be a real challenge. Yeah, I forget who the Marine Corps general was that said amateurs study tactics, professionals study logistics, but he was 100% right. Uh, all right, I'm getting word already we have British Special Forces, SAS guys, are out there. They're outside of the airport gathering up their people. Now, I know we got Rangers over there. I know we've got some pipe hitters in country. Why are we not doing the same? Is there a political reason? Why would we not be outside of that airport gathering our people up? You know, first of all, Jesse, I would I would hope that, you know, we actually do have folks out there. They may not be in uniform and things of that nature, but I, I, okay. I suspect that uh, uh, that we have people outside the wire that are making sure that uh, American citizens aren't, uh, you know, mishandled out there or, or uh, uh, treated violently. Uh, I don't know that for a fact. I, you know, uh, as you know, I've been retired for a long time or for 10 years. 
Uh, my guess, though, is uh, proper military planning. Not that this isn't a great example of proper military planning by any means. It's, it's been chaos uh, for sure, and the debacle is probably a nice way of putting it. But I would, I would assume that there are special operators out there from the American side that are ensuring the lives of our American citizens that are still outside the wire. That said, waiting this late in the game to do what you know, is required like I said, 10 to 15,000 American citizens are out there. A lot of them are not in Kabul. They're they're out. You know, they may have been visiting their homes. Uh, you know, uh, just like some of us. You know, I'm a German immigrant from years past. When I go to Germany, I don't think that all of a sudden the Taliban are going to take over Germany. And I'm not going to be able to get out, or that they're going to take over America one way or the other. I mean, this is a you know a huge logistical challenge. And it's not going to get solved this week or next week. It's, this is going to be something where you're going to have to have a sustained American commitment to do the right things by our citizens and by those those Afghans that actually helped us. And, and realize the vast majority of those have not been vetted as far as the uh, uh, Afghans. We've got to make sure you know, that uh, we're not bringing over a cup of al-Qaeda at the same time that we're bringing in uh, very valid Afghan interpreters, translators, and their families back into, uh, or get out of them, get out of the area of violence and get them into an area where that uh, we can take a hard look at them. Okay, General, you mentioned we only own a portion or control a portion of one airport. We don't have bases over there. We, we abandoned Bagram, but we're, okay, fine. We have a portion of the airport and the Taliban control the area around the airport. Uh, people are concerned. I'm concerned. What motivation do the Taliban have to let American citizens through to the airport? I, uh, these are obviously not reasonable people. This is not some international organization or some legitimate government somewhere. These are radicals who believe in Sharia law. They're, they're, they're nut jobs. What motivation do they have to say, oh, you're an American citizen? Come on through to the airport. I, I, it doesn't seem like we have the leverage to, to make them do that. Yeah, I know. I personally, I'm just I'm with you. I know you're a former Marine. I'm a former soldier, right? I mean, never your former. You're always a Marine. I'm always a soldier, right? You and I both understand this, and let's help our people that are listening and watching in this uh, understand. You don't give up leverage uh, while you're still trying to conduct an operation. And uh, so, like you mentioned, Bagram. I mean, to give up Bagram before we had completed the operations in Afghanistan and got everybody out, not just diplomats not just you know the remaining soldiers but more importantly the american citizens and those that gave you know uh, a great deal of service to our country at peril to their family those translators interpreters they needed to get out too so giving up that is mind-boggling to me and it's hard to explain at this point in time we have very little leverage other than the force of arms by those marine battalions some portion of the 82nd Airborne, 10th Mountain Division that's on the ground there, and hopefully some special operators. And that's about it. And, and again, we've consolidated onto a very small area. For most Americans, you know, this is like the size of your regional airport, and that's about it. And uh, and they're not only, I mean, that's where they're operating from, that's where they're living, from, they're living and they're totally consumed and just trying to protect that area. I don't think that uh, American soldiers and Marines are going to reach out very far out of that cordon. And why did the, why would the Taliban cooperate? Well, I, I would say one thing, the only thing I can think of that motivates them is they would lo they want us lock, stock, and barrel out. I think on 9-11, what you want to see, what they want to see is a celebration of their victory over the United States with no military troops from the United States on the ground. And so that would probably be their only motivation. Let's, let's do enough to get the Americans out of our country 
and then we're going to celebrate our victory. And I, and I think that, you know, that might be enough. I don't know it's going to be enough. I do think that uh, what we have done at this point in time is, is probably not enough to allow all those citizens and all those Afghans to get out uh, to safety in a period of time that the Taliban's going to basically allow. I think by 9-11, they're gonna insist that that airport is closed to uh, uh, American soldiers and Marines. Good grief. All right, I'm gonna play just a, a brief video for you here of uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs. There was nothing that I or anyone else saw that indicated a collapse of this army and this government in 11 days. Okay, if, if, if that's to be believed, and I have no reason to call the man a liar, how is that possible? We were there for two decades. We have people everywhere. We are as wired in as far as intelligence goes in that area as you could possibly be. How could something this big happen that we didn't see? General, explain that to me. Yeah, it's going to be hard to explain to American citizens, I'll be honest with you, Jesse. I mean, so, I mean, you know, I mean, I know the chairman very well. In fact, anybody that reads Marathon War will see that he was actually one of my deputies there in Afghanistan. He's a person of integrity, so he's not lying in front of the public there. I think what you may see, though, is is that, you know, there were not reports of maybe 11 days, 15 days. There were clearly reports, I believe, that indicated that uh, that Kabul would eventually fall. There's a whole heck of a lot of us with experience on the ground in Afghanistan that I, I predicted that there would actually be a civil war that would be much more clear where the militias would fight back against the Taliban. Uh, I don't know what the chairman's really, you know, drawing upon there. But what I would say is, is that I can understand that we were surprised as far as the, the speed, you know, five days, six days, 11 days. What I will say, though, is, is that I believe at the end of the day, the finger pointing all that other backstabbing stuff that occurs in Washington, D.C. Uh, I think once it's investigated and once people really do a solid uh, review of all of this, there's going to be clearly intelligence reports. There's going to be uniform military reports uh, that indicate this, this government, this army cannot survive without its advisors, its maintenance uh, providers, the contractors. Um, and uh, the air support that is so critical and needs to be, as you well know, Jesse, there's got to be somebody on the ground that speaks English that can point to a target, use a laser designator and say, shoot that target, don't shoot that civilian house, right? That's all gone beginning in April. I mean, again, you know, we kind of didn't back plan from the, the way you would normally understand how to operate a Marine platoon or a Marine company. It wasn't done that way, right? Uh, it's baffling uh, to any of us that served in the military for two years or 34, in my case, to see it like this. But uh, um, when we left, like we did, we pulled the heart and soul, the morale out of the Afghan army and they folded. And there's no doubt about it. I mean, the biggest thing that I think I'm surprised at is the militias uh, have had such a weak response. And, and my guess is, is they were bought off. Uh, in, one case, in some cases, they were given a choice. Option A is you die. Option B, you leave. Uh, and oh, by the way, give us your arms, right? Because that's another problem. I mean, all of a sudden, all the Afghan army arms are now in the hands of the Taliban. Oh, God. General, thank you so much. I appreciate you giving us some knowledge tonight. That was outstanding. Semper Fi. Okay, take care. Look, if you have a home title, if you have a home, 
your title's online. All right? Your title is online. I, I never knew this either. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not talking down to you. I never knew it either. I didn't know my home title was online until it showed up in my email with my signature on it, like I'd sold the thing. Home title theft is a crime sweeping the United States of America. And the worst part about it is you don't know you're a victim of it until two, three months after it's done. You might already be a victim of it as you're hearing the sound of my voice. And I have an offer for you. If you go to HomeTitleLock.com right now and put in your address, you can see if you've already been a victim of it for free. That's a $100 value. It'll even give you the whole title history on your home. HomeTitleLock.com. While you're there, I recommend you sign up, protect yourself, They'll stop any tampering of your home title. HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be back. Well, while Afghanistan was on fire and America was embarrassed, the President of the United States stepped up to the microphone to threaten people about coronavirus. I'm directing the Secretary of Education, an educator himself, to take additional steps to protect our children. This includes using all of his oversight authorities and legal action, if appropriate, against governors who are trying to block and intimidate local school officials and educators. And as I said before, if you aren't going to fight COVID-19, at least get out of the way of everyone else who's trying. You know, we're not going to sit by as governors try to block and intimidate educators protecting our children. For example, if a governor wants to cut the pay of a hardworking education leader who requires masks in a classroom, the money from the American Rescue Plan can be used to pay that person's salary. That sounds like a president who has his priorities in line, right? And one does have to appreciate Heavy D. As soon as I saw the president give that speech, I knew Heavy D would come firing back. And of course, he sure did. He is obsessed with having the government force kindergartners to wear masks all day in school. In Florida, we believe that that's the parents' decision. Joe Biden thinks the federal government should come in and overrule the parents and force these young kids to wear these masks. And you gotta wonder, where are your priorities that you're so obsessed with this issue and so obsessed with taking away parents' rights and you're letting Afghanistan burn, our border burn, and so many other things in our country fall to pieces. Hard to admit he's wrong there, huh? Uh, this, this heavy D run for president, I just have a feeling it's going to be wonderfully entertaining. All right, listen. You need to be carrying a weapon. You need to learn how to use it safely, and then you need to learn how to use it proficiently, and you need to have a decent holster. In fact, you need to buy the best holster you can buy. The holster must last and perform. Not day one, they all perform day one. Year five, your holster still has to perform like it's day one. Northwest Retention Systems, they sell custom-made holsters. Custom-made, and they have the best designs out there. My mag holder, Northwest Retention Systems. My belt, Northwest Retention Systems. My holster, Northwest Retention Systems. Go and do likewise. Go to nwretention.com. That's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE for 10% off. We'll be back. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Thank you.
That was the President of the United States of America stepping up in the middle of the worst foreign policy disaster in half a century, giving a speech about coronavirus, and then turning around and walking out of the room without answering a single question about Afghanistan. Joining me now to talk about that former Congressman, current Dean of Business at Liberty University, Dave Bratt. Uh, Dean, I embarrassing I, I don't even have a word to put what I what I'm what what I'm feeling right now about how we look in front of the rest of the world this is embarrassing yeah no I agree with you and uh, it's not just the the president I think it's our entire culture right now he's not doing his job and it just seems we have a problem with people doing their jobs and doing their duty uh, these days national defense, uh, it's not a stretch to say they're in charge of the national defense and they're failing. Uh, border security is supposed to be doing border security. White House security, we have planes landing on the grounds when I was in Congress. Congress is attacked with foreknowledge uh, and our intelligence people didn't up security at all. And so it's just on and on and on. And, uh, you know, in Congress, uh, do no harm might be do not bankrupt your country. And we're blowing trillions by the day. And so no one's doing their core job. I think fifth graders have an educational level that's capable of understanding uh, some of these issues better than our PhD core of elites up there. And the elites uh, seem to, their job seems to be pursuing other people's agenda. You know, they're pursuing other people's agenda and spending your money uh, by the trillions of dollars to pursue their agenda. And, and then uh, I'm in the education sector and we're pushing agendas instead of pushing knowledge and hopefully jobs. So it, 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 it just seems we got a problem with common sense and, and no one seems to know that they're supposed to do their job anymore. And uh, the culture's just upside down. It is upside down. And Congressman, I, I've, I've been... I've been telling people something for a few days right now, and I wanted to run it by you because you're a great person to run this stuff by, that the three things the people running our culture all have in common now are this. One, there's no love of country. Sometimes it's just flat out hatred of the country, but there's no love of country. They don't feel an obligation to America. They don't love the place at all. Two, these people, they don't, they've never really resided in the real world, or if they have, it's been forever ago. They're all rich or upper middle class kids, then it's on to Harvard, then it's right into the State Department or some Congressman Jerkwater's office, and they don't know about the real world. And three, they genuinely feel as if they're above the peasants and should yeah. rule over them. Am I wrong about any of those three? No, I, I, I think you got it right. And uh, as one great teacher summed it up, all of your laws can be summarized. Love your neighbor as yourself. This idea that you're above others on this planet is a new phenomenon. I mean, it's always been around. Uh, but the, the, the age of elitism and the one percenters uh, and the globalist elites, that's the new thing that's ruining our country right now. And it, it's, it's pretty gruesome. Uh, uh, last night on, uh, on uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, there was just a great report on, on Afghanistan by uh, Laura. Laura, I forget her last name, from 60 Minutes she used to be on. And uh, she just outlined, right, Afghanistan is run by Pakistan. Pakistan's run by the United States. If we want to end that, we can end it tomorrow in five minutes. And these elites have other agendas that are really starting to get, uh, you know, observers very nervous about who is really running this country. 
And uh, the idea that, that we had foreknowledge that the troops were coming down, our national uh, intelligence services knew full well uh, that the, the Pakistani supply chains uh, were days on the move. And to act like this is just some little accident uh, is just way off the mark. Uh, there, there's some intentionality to what's going on here. It's, it's not an accident. Okay, then I have to ask, because I've been, been trying for days now to see the angle here. There's no way, there's no possible way the Biden administration, whoever's actually running it, we know it's not Joe Biden, there's no way they didn't see real political fallout from internet videos out there of everybody's watching them now, women getting shot, kids dying. I mean, there's, there's going to be a horrible political fallout for that. They had to know that. I know they don't love the country, but they do love politics. These are political people. What's the angle, Dave? I, I can't see it. Yeah, I, I don't think we can see it, but you, you see the effects of the actions. And it, this, this globalist thesis, I think, is the answer, but I cannot explain it right now uh, with precision. That Lara Logan last night, watch that Tucker episode, she said very similar. She says, I, I don't. I think she may be able to name some of the names, but she didn't want to because she, you know, wants to wake up in the morning. Uh, but there are some global elites uh, in in the you know in, in above the billionaire ranks uh, that are pulling strings, right? So if you say, look, Afghanistan is run by Pakistan, Pakistan is run by the U.S. Uh, the only issue there is Pakistan has nukes, right? So they matter in the region. Uh, but there's some huge triangular uh, money flows that have to do with power. Uh, they have uh, mineral rights uh, that China is going to get now uh, because we're abdicating. Iran's right next door. Russia and China have deals. There, there is some collusion, right? And then when you have, you know, I, I, I really don't want to go there, but the president's family and and uh, some elites together, and we have absolute knowledge of that. Uh, it, it makes you more than scratch your head. Oh, it does. It does. All right. Uh, there's something else that's happening right now in the country to change gears here. And I, I can see it. And it floors me how many people aren't concerned about this. How are politicians and corporations and universities, how they've decided they're now moving on to a punishment campaign to classify people who are unvaccinated as lower classes of people, and now they're all deciding various ways how people should be punished. And pe people are just comfortable with this. We have uh, uh, Quinnipiac in Connecticut. They're cutting off the Wi-Fi for college kids who don't get vaccinated. And that's just one example in a thousand. I mean, we all see what's happening in New York. No, you can't eat here. Go sit with the other unvaccinated, unwashed masses. When did we get to be a country that just accepts this, Dave? Yeah, well, that's uh, part of the uh, money trail, too. Uh, try uh, being disobedient uh, to these elites, and, and you'll find out there's a price to pay. So you know, it's not. I don't think the average American is in love with any of this stuff. The, the moms are starting to get outraged uh, out in the suburbs, uh, even across Virginia here. I, th I think there's, there's some folks are waking up to some energy. Uh, but if you misbehave, uh, you know, you don't get to go to the wine and cheese circuit anymore. Uh, you're cut off from elite, you know, donor circles. And you're not invited to all the cool events. And uh, I think our society's become addic addicted to, you know, TikTok and social media and these, you know, social elite circles. 
uh, people get their identity from those events instead of from God and from, like you say, love of country, uh, love of family, all the things that used to bind us together and make us great, uh, we've become uh, very shallow. And uh, that shallowness is now hurting us. Uh, and even in, in Christian circles, I'm very frustrated uh, with the lack of action. Uh, it, it, it's going back to St. Augustine, there's, there's a great debate on what's the place of Christians and the church uh, when it comes to war, just war theory. Are we ready to go? Will anybody move? Uh, if there was another fascist takeover, if there were a Hitler, uh, would the church move? Uh, I, I, I'm very nervous uh, to see the response of, of the American people uh, in this shallow culture. Oh, I am too. And, and I got to be honest with you, the coronavirus response of the American people in general, obviously not everybody, but of the American people in general, yes, I'm scared, government, please save me. Yes, uh, yeah, just lock me down, close me down. It was maybe the most disheartening thing I've ever experienced in my lifetime watching it happen. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're one step shy of the arrests coming. And it, 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 some some have been arrested uh, for certain cases of disobedience. And uh, I heard someone last night, uh, oh, I think it was Elon Musk maybe on, uh, on a YouTube video. He said the government's just a huge corporation. He said, so the left, you know, they hate corporations and they hate capitalism and all this. The government is the, the most giant corporation that exists, really. You can't really distinguish it from a giant corporation, except they have a monopoly on violence, which is the classic definition of the state. And so Elon Musk is very smart, and I think he's just drawn our attention to the, to the basic point. Uh, true fascism is the, is the large state, right? So uh, if you want to solve a lot of these problems, American people, and you lack courage right now, at least, for God's sake and the country's sake, Quit voting for a bigger state. We have to end this this upward trajectory of the increase of centralized power uh, that is up to no good right now. Congressman, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. All right. I've got news. Well, the first has news. We have a newsletter. Put it out every single day now. I'm going to save you a lot of trouble. You don't have to wake up any, every morning anymore and scroll through your 10 favorite websites and look for the video. And I'm looking for an article on this. We do it all for you. You wake up every morning, open up your email. You'll have the first newsletter. It's going to have video. It's going to have articles. And it's absolutely free. Go to thefirsttv.com right now and sign up for our newsletter, thefirsttv.com. All right. Sneaking out at night. We've all done it. Somebody did it and it turned out hilarious. Hang on. We've all snuck out of the house once or twice. I certainly did. You have to appreciate this father who caught his kids sneaking out of the house and just enjoy. Hi, Jesse. Next time, just say you want to go out so you don't need to climb through a window with all your friends. I hope you had fun, were safe, and didn't crack your pants when I started talking. I may go viral on TikTok with this. Thanks for the content. 
I'll see you tomorrow.